Welcome again. I'm glad you are able to join in the broadcast and be with us again today. Uh, I want to begin today by praying. I, I feel like that there's some out there that really need a real release of the power of God on your life. And so I want you to just uh, join with me as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now. And Lord, there's someone that is watching this broadcast. Lord, that the enemy keeps writing things over their minds and over their hearts that are really not true. And they need to understand that the slate has been cleaned, that the enemy has been destroyed, and the lies of the enemy are not valid in their life. And so I pray today that you would just bring freedom into their life and bring comfort to each one of them. Lord, the, the mother out there that is concerned about that wayward child right now, that child that has uh, said, I, I don't want to see you again, I don't want to be with you again. Lord, they've run, but they've run right into your arms. And I pray, Lord, that that mother would have the assurance that they are being cared for uh, by you and that your hand is upon that child. So, Lord, I pray for the peace of God that passes all understanding upon them today. I pray that uh, you would just comfort them in that uh, setting where they are right now. Just be with them and give them strength. Now, Lord, I just pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation today and the knowledge of Jesus Christ as we uh, look into your word and look into uh, what you're having to say, Lord, that our lives are, are being rekindled again, Lord, with the fire of God that once burned in our life. Lord, that it can burn fresh and new in our lives. And so I thank you for it today, and I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, something good is happening to you, and something wonderful is happening on your behalf. And uh, I'm thankful to God for that. And if something is happening to us, why don't you just drop us an email or, or send us a little uh, message some way, or go to the website and just, uh, just let us know, hey, God did this to me. Uh, it just would be an encouragement to each one of us. And so once again, I thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're going to look once again into, we've been talking about uh, the message of the 21st century is the kingdom of God. But in order to understand a kingdom, we've got to understand the king. And so we've been talking about Jesus, that he was born a king, he died a king, and then we've been talking about him reigning as king. He is king now. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of Lords, and we talked about that, and that that he is that uh, 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 he is that inhabiting, unapproachable light that is always shining, uh, brighter and brighter. Proverbs chapter three and verse twenty-four says, "The path of the righteous it keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter as the noonday." Uh, it says uh, also that uh, in Matthew that we are to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works so the the light in us is shining brighter and brighter uh why because uh it is there that the throne of god is uh, taking up residence and god is reigning and ruling from his throne and so we need to understand that in our lives now we need to understand that if he is the reigning king just like queen elizabeth is uh, she she's still the reigning queen and she's the queen over uh, territories that are called the United Kingdom. Uh, at one time it said uh, that the British Empire, the sun never set on the empire. 
Uh, I have been in those countries where at one time they were under the uh, the uh, crown, is so to speak, is the name of it. Uh, now they are called a commonwealth. Well, they were a commonwealth at the time, but they still choose to be a part of the commonwealth. And so uh, people who are from different nations, such as India and Southeast Asia and uh, Belize and places like that, they can still go in and out of England with really uh, not much identification at all because they are a part of the commonwealth. And just like you and I, we can come, we are in the kingdom of God, we come into the kingdom of God, no matter where we reside, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And so that is our, that is our uh, dwelling place, that is our citizenship, and with that citizenship, there are all kinds of benefits. Now, three things you need to understand about kingship. Number one, there must be a king. Number two, he must have a domain, or king's domain, they call it, or kingdom, which is where we get our English word for king's domain is kingdom, and royal family, or the royal citizens. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and starting at verse 9, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And had put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his bride, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now I know the King James says body, but in, in Hebrew understanding, it is the bride. Now notice, it says that he is, uh, uh, and, and every name that is named. The, uh, the idea in Hebrew for a name is a lifestyle. Every lifestyle that is named, Jesus has, he has uh, dominion over it, he has might over it, he has power over it, he, has the, he is the principal one over it, uh, he has all that over that, uh, those areas. And so, no matter what lifestyle you think you're in and you think you're too bad or you're not good enough, well, guess what? He is the name above every name. He is the lifestyle above every lifestyle. He has a lifestyle that you can live to. Uh, I had a friend of mine one time uh, when I was uh, working in uh, the uh, uh, northern part of Texas, and this man came. He was from the East Coast, and uh, this man had uh, been so into drugs that uh, he, he literally had fried his brain, and he gloriously got saved and didn't know if he was ever going to amount to anything, and he applied to go to this particular Bible school. And when he got to the Bible school, he had a hard time reading, had a hard time concentrating. He had a hard time memorizing or, or even meditating upon the Word. But, but God, little by little, he began to meditate upon the Scripture. And then he began to memorize Scripture. And then he would pray. And, and then all of a sudden, he started getting this tremendous recall to things that was happening in his life. His whole lifestyle changed. He didn't he didn't act like a, a drug addict. He didn't act like someone that had his mind blown on drugs. But he looked like a normal person. 
And, and when he got out of uh, that particular Bible Institute, he was invited to join a particular church staff. And he has been working with that church staff now almost 30 years. And why? Because he made a decision that the lifestyle of Jesus Christ was greater than his lifestyle of being a, 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 an invalid or an a infidel, I don't want to term you want to use, a drug addict lifestyle. I know many Christians that have gotten saved and gloriously saved by the Lord, but they don't change their lifestyle. And uh, they, don't, they don't try to change their lifestyle. Oh, yeah, they maybe stop drinking drugs, I mean, drinking booze or taking drugs or, or what all that kind of stuff. They may cut out some of their addictions or some of their habits and things like that. But their lifestyle, they're not proactive in their lifestyle because they still see themselves as a subject under the enemy instead of seeing themselves as a royal citizen. Now listen, he reigns as king. You are a citizen in that kingdom. So when we reign with him, Peter gives us an understanding of reigning with him and shows us the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10, it says this, But you are a chosen generation. A chosen generation. In other words, God chose you. God has been in pursuit of you. You see, a lot of times, uh, in the Greek mind, let me put it this way, in the Greek mind, uh, there were 365 gods, one for every day of the year. They, they had a god for, for every day of the year. They were always trying to appease those gods, so they were always in search of those gods or those idols. And this is what pagans do. They're always trying to appease God. This is what religion does. They're always trying to appease a God. But you don't have to appease God. God was appeased when Jesus Christ went to the cross, shed his blood for you and I. He was appeased. And, and he, we didn't initiate that. He initiated that. That was his plan from the beginning. That was his desire from the very beginning. And God has done the initiating ever since then. Why? Because he wanted to make you a chosen generation. The Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. You see, we have a lot of people that are called by God, called for different reasons, called to ministry, called to particular works, things like this. But there's a great gulf between being called and being chosen. And being chosen, you've got to pass some tests. You've got to adjust your lifestyle to the lifestyle of Jesus Christ to the lifestyle of God. And so, so as a chosen person, Peter understood this, he calls us a chosen generation. Notice what else he says. We're a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. The idea of royalty carries with it the idea of kingship. Priesthood has to deal with the, the idea of a worshiper. A worshiper is not just somebody who comes in and raises their hands and, and sings the songs and goes to church on Sunday morning and do this type of thing. But a worshiper is one who lives his life according to the precepts and concepts and principles of the Word of God. See, Adam was a worshiper. Uh, he met with God in the cool of the day. And then what out of that meeting with God, he'd go out and work. Why? Because he understood that his work 
was an act of worship. You know, your work is an act of worship. How you approach that work determines how you approach your attitude towards God because, because, because it is a, a part of our life. It's our, our attitude of worship. I know a lot of people that pray, oh, God, if you could just get me out of this thing. I, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. I don't see. They see it from a their personal perspective. They see it from the element. But God may have put you there to be a light that shines in darkness. And so if you see your work as an act of worship and you approach your work that way, guess what? The light, it attracts. It dispels darkness and it attracts. It attracts those that are looking for light. It attracts those that are looking for warmth. It attracts those that are looking for comfort. And so you are a royal, royal. You are royalty. You are a a royal citizen. You are you are a king uh, on the earth, and you have a territory. Uh, if nothing else, just yourself. You are made from dust, so you rule over you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 that we are to reign in this life. Uh, so there's areas that we are to reign in life, and so we need to understand that. Now, it also says that we are a holy nation, a holy nation. Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I want to say this to you, that God is not building a church. God is building the nation of Jesus Christ. That's what he's building. He is a king. He's building a nation. And in that nation, it has a language. In that nation, it has laws. In that nation, it has territory. In that nation, it has uh, uh, expressions of worship. In that territory, I mean, we can just go on and on and on. He is building a nation, the nation of Jesus Christ. You've heard of the nation of Islam. And if you were to ever study anything about Islam, you would see that there are certain elements that they have what they call Sharia law, and they also have civil law. And if you are not a, a non-Muslim in a Muslim nation, then you're governed by civil law. But so are Muslims governed by civil law, but they're also governed by Sharia law. They have policemen that come out of the temple as well as policemen that come out of the civil uh, uh, headquarters. And so they police their, their religion. Why? Because they are building the nation of Islam. We are to do the same thing. Today we have in our world today, we have many expressions of the church. Some are expressions of, of institutional Christianity, which is religion. It is ceremonial. It is, um, uh, it is uh, uh, bondages in a lot of way. It is institutionalized. It is professionalized. Uh, it is business-like. Uh, it, it does not advance the individual. Uh, and so as a result, uh, many people come and attend, and they, uh, par- uh, uh, they inspect, and they, uh, uh, but they do not participate in the, when they leave there in the building of the nation of Jesus Christ. And, but what we're about, when we understand the concept of a king and his kingdom, that we are a holy nation. The idea of holiness is not the outward expression or the way we wear our hair or the way we don't wear our hair or the clothes that we wear, the, clo- the clothing that we don't wear or, 
or whether we do or whether we don't. Uh, that's not the idea of holiness. That is man's term, trying to be externally what he is not on the inside. But to be holy is to understand the mind of God and to operate in the mind, the will, and the emotions of God. So to say that we are a holy nation, it's a nation that understands the mind of God, it understands the will of God, and it is ruled by the emotion of God, which is love. And we'll talk more about that later on. But it, that's what it's describing us. So as he reigns through us, it's going to express the mind of God. It's going to express the will of God, and it's going to express the, uh, uh, the, the emotion of God, the love of God. And so this is what is we see when it talks about a holy nation. It also says that we are a peculiar people. Peculiar is an interesting word. Because when we look that word up in the Greek, Titus talks about the same thing. It says that we're a peculiar people. Uh, Peter talks to use the same word here in peculiar. And peculiar is the idea of a circle. And you have this circle representing the eternal. And in the middle of that circle is a dot. Uh, not a bullseye, but a dot. And so you have this eternal circle, and you have that dot in the middle. The word peculiar is that dot, that's you. And it says that we are the dot in the center of God's eternal circle. Oh, I don't know about you, but that really encourages me that not only am I part of a nation-building entity, but also the king who reigns, he's also concerned about me as an individual. And he is pursuing me as an individual. That he protects me, he guides me, he leads me, he comforts me, he encourages me. He does all those things because I am the dot in the middle of that circle. And so, so he tells us here, describing this, and so he says that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Look what it says. That we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's that light again. You see, we once were in darkness. Colossians tells us that we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And it says that these people, this chosen generation, this holy nation, this royal priesthood, this peculiar people, it says that we are to show forth this light. We're to demonstrate this light, this life of God that's in our lives. And, and when we do, it is because he is reigning as king of a king on the earth. That's what he's doing today. Which in times past, we were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Oh, we could spend a great deal of time there. But we need to understand that when we are understand that we're a chosen generation, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, and we're a peculiar people, and we're showing forth the light of Jesus Christ, or our kingship, our rulership, when we are showing that forth, then guess what? We obtain mercy and we give mercy. Uh, we obtain favor and we give favor. We, are, we were not the people of God, but today we are the people of God. And so we are the people of God. And so this is how we demonstrate or, or 
show the specific attributes of the kingdom of God, and that that, knowing, that people know that the king of uh, uh, king, the, the that Jesus Christ as King reigns in our life. Now, Revelations chapter five and verse ten, it says this: He has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We cannot have a kingdom without a people and a nation. And so we are the people of God. We are kings and priests, worshipers, kings and priests, royalty, royal nation. We are those things, and we, and as a result of that, we are to reign on the earth. Now, here's what I need to say to you today. Today, the church has lost its influence because we have lost the message of the kingdom of God. You see, today we have, in our church world today, we have too much ownership and not enough rulership. Now, please understand this. God never called us to ownership. He called us to reign and rule on the earth. And the church, by and large, has lost its influence because we take ownership, not stewardship, but ownership of what God has given to us. We treat it. We, we block God from what he wants to do. We, we hold off Jesus, what he wants to do. And so as a result today, we are led by administrators and we are not led by the lordship of Jesus Christ expressed through the fivefold voice of Jesus Christ. And so we need to understand that for us, if we're going to reign in this life, and if we're going to reign on the earth, as he says we are, as kings and priests, then we have to understand. Please hear this. We have to understand that we are still called. The dominion mandate has never been taken away. You see, in the garden, Adam, he never lost his authority or his dominion. He only lost his ability to obey. That's when he disobeyed, he lost that. But he still maintained his ability of authority and dominion. And the dominion mandate is still upon us as God's people. And yet we see today that societies, I, I, I travel a lot around the world. I have been to Southeast Asia, Latin cultures, into Africa, and I go into those nations, and yet there are thousands of people that attend church on Sunday morning, but yet I see the nation still in abject poverty. I still see a great deal of sickness. I still see a lot of defeated Christians. Uh, I still see uh, the education system is still very humanistic or paganistic uh, in nature. Uh, I still see governments that are very corrupt and uh, 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 very uh, corrupt is the only word I can say. Uh, they rob from the people. They, it's, it's legal thievery. Uh, we see that in every nation, not just uh, the poorer nations. But we see it in every nation today. Uh, we see that happening. Uh, we see where the arts and the media have been taken over by uh, the secular world. Uh, our young people are greatly influenced by what comes out of Bollywood and Hollywood and all those places uh, uh, that produce the, uh, uh, the uh, media material. 
the music scene is still one that dominates uh, where uh, we've lost the ability. Today, we are, uh, our world is dominated not by, by uh, a natural skill, but it's dominated by technical synth synthetics uh, in, the, in the media area or in the music area. And so, so where is this church that is a demonstrator of the kingdom of God? Now, the kingdom is not the church, but the church is a demonstration of the kingdom. Where has the church? The church has been riddled. The church has been dominated with prevailing spirits, demonic influence. Um, uh, what other terms do we want to use uh, that, that has come in? And so as a result, the church, uh, today I just heard a report by a local radio station where it said in the 1970s, 57% uh, of the population of this nation attended church weekly. Today, that, that percentage is 43%. Why are they leaving the church? Why are they bailing out of the church? Uh, because I believe that the church has become more philosophical, has become, uh, has lost its influence, has uh, gotten away from the message of the kingdom of God, has advocated its responsibility, and just takes on a priestly role and not a kingly role that we've been given. And so we've lost our influence in society. But I believe that if we understand that Jesus is the reigning king and he's called us to be a king and to reign on the earth, that there is a remnant that is hearing the voice of God, understanding the voice of God, and is beginning to uh, rise up in this nation. And we're starting to see a nation that is begin beginning to come back to the forefront. We're seeing pockets of revival that have happened around the nation. Yes, they may be temporary and they may be a, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement, but the, the truth is, is that they're opening their spirit and becoming sensitive to the spirit of God. Uh, I want to ask you today, are you in that position? Are you tired of old dead religion? Are you tired of going to a building where there's nothing in it but other people that are as dead as you are? Are you there just for camaraderie or just there for fellowship? Are you just there for uh, uh, because your family went there or because it's a traditional thing? Well, listen, I want to tell you, you're dying on the vine. And it's time that you realize and have something rekindled in your life. Uh, it's time for you to understand that Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father and he's still uh, reigning and ruling as the coming king uh, and he's still giving us authority that we can exercise authority on the earth. And so today I challenge you to begin to take measures. Open up the Bible again and begin to read it like you're reading it for the first time. Begin to pray again. Talk to God like you've never talked to him before. Find a fellowship where there's life. If it's a small group, go there. And most of all, get you a mentor, somebody that will bring the truth to you. But I say unto you today, it's time and in this hour that you rekindle your fire for God in Jesus' name.